You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. We're back after a month-long hiatus. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. Joined on our new day, Monday, the change this year for the Editor's Show, Monday, July 25th. I'm joined by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. Uh, John, we weren't on air, but I I guess I got to frame it this way. From an on-air capacity, you had to miss me, right? Like, you missed me on air here in the editor show didn't you um yeah is this a trick question you know the answer to the question <laughs> and it's yes yes you absolutely missed me. yes thank you for you just for, never know these days you right. know so 100 i i see you being careful there we've had a little <laughs> r&r john you took the trailer all over the the casey match you had your cruise i got away a little bit i'm relaxed i'm refreshed we we've actually had three days of this rookie and quarterback camp they do a little bit of what is almost like a false start of training camp before we get <laughs> underway. The uh, D Ford training camp <laughs> on Wednesday. So yeah, so it's been a while. So we have to catch up on or, all this Orlando Brown Jr. news. We had some unfortunate news on fan favorite before he plays the snap wide receiver Justin Ross earlier today. Uh, we will get into my takeaways from what has been, I call it a false start, but it's an initial push of training camp with quarterbacks and rookies. And then, look, we're, we're getting to you on Monday evening, Monday afternoon. We turn the page here and it becomes Wednesday. The veterans are reporting as we speak right now to training camp in St. Joseph, but it gets to be Wednesday and we are a full go. So we're going to bring mm-hmm. Steve in from behind the glass, Steven Serta, and we are going to talk about questions, burning questions we have entering what will be the first full team workout of the 2022 season here on Wednesday. How did we get here? I don't know. It zoomed by, but <laughs> before we know it, we're going to be through training camp and getting ready for regular season game one, Chiefs at Cardinals with long road uh, until there. Uh, we have to find out which players will be cut. We're going to go from 90 men to 53 men here uh before we get into the podcast i i am very i I gotta say uh john and this is not to you this is to our our loyal editor show listeners i'm not mad but i am disappointed i uh, we had what a month off here where we didn't do a podcast and (laughs) very clearly the masses have have told me you you aren't happy about that because we got no reviews but the whole Arrowhead Pride podcast network. So that is, is extremely disappointing. So what I would tell you, and I would remind you, is if you leave us a rating and a review, you can say whatever you want. I will read it here on the Arrowhead Pride podcast uh, editor show, the network, and we will address it right here on the show. 
Uh, that can be a comment. That could be a quip about Mark Gunnels and how much he likes to go on Twitter space. It could be <laughs> about how bad Arsenal is uh, across the pond now that my new Premier League team, Tom, is, is Tottenham. Uh, as you know, let's go Spurs. Uh, that could be how much you get annoyed hearing Ron the show run his mouth and how he text he favors the Houston Texans now that he's down in Houston and has abandoned his Chiefs. Whatever you say on these comments, we will read right here on the editor's show. Okay, I have ran my mouth, John, for four minutes, so let's get into <laughs> what's happening at training camp. So we got through the three days. Uh, it is worth noting Patrick Mahomes and Chad Henney were practicing with the rookies for what was Saturday and Sunday. They ended up taking Monday off. I, I just got back to Kansas City from St. Joe from the Monday look. Uh, Mahomes and Henny got the day off. Music to, to Chiefs fans' ears. Jody Fortson actually got the day, day off. And oh. uh, uh, a very quick point here, uh, and I wasn't planning on talking about this first, but when a guy gets a day off like that, I, I still I don't think there was a huge question about Jody Fortson making mm-hmm. the roster, but you still had the door. Sure. What I don't know. What, what do you want to say? 12% open a little bit because, look, <laughs> this guy came back from injury. He only had the six mm-hmm. games. He looked great, but you never know how they're going to respond. Uh, when he gets the Monday off with Chad Henney and Patrick Mahomes, that's a pretty good sign that you could write him down on the 53. Again, I, I was going to have him on most of my projections, uh, but you just never know uh, when it's a guy like this, especially coming back from injury. So this is a pretty good sign that you could lock Fortson in uh, to, to that eventual 53-man roster. But we're, we're through the three days now. So what happens is, is the veterans report. Uh, they have until 10 p.m. tonight to report to St. Joe. This is new with the new CBA. They will do their running test tomorrow. There's no media tomorrow. Uh, we we have worked through the weekend, so we're happy about that. But there's no media tomorrow, so they can get this run test in. And then we're locked, uh, ready to go for Wednesday. One player, John, we don't think will be here, or I should even say one player we know won't be mm-hmm. in St. Joseph is offensive lineman Orlando Brown, disgruntled about still having to play on what will be a franchise tag. Here is the very latest, and we're recording here about 425 p.m., on Monday, here was the latest from NFL Network's Mike Garofolo just moments ago. Orlando Brown had not yet reported. He has until 10 p.m. local time. I don't even know what was said. I don't want to know. Uh, and that Orlando Brown has until 10 p.m. Uh, to report to training camp. My understanding is that he's not going to make it before then. He is not reporting to training camp and likely will not be there for quite some time. I had said in the past I didn't expect him at training camp. Uh, And I said even week one could be potentially in question for Orlando Brown. Uh, We'll see how that goes. But for the time being, we are not expecting Orlando Brown at training camp anytime soon. And he will not report alongside the rest of his Chiefs teammates. Remember, he has not signed that franchise tag, so he cannot be uh, fined. So this is a a very interesting situation. And we haven't really been able to talk about this on this particular platform because we did take the month off to get some R&R before Mm -hmm. we for the full seven, eight months of this NFL season. But there was a negotiation and there were was some information that came out on on both sides of this. John, I I thought you wrote a really nice piece. There's reason that the Chiefs didn't offer more. There's reason why. To an extent, from the Brown side, it was okay to say, look, we want a better deal. Mm-hmm. This part of it is a little strange to me. Just because, and, and fair or not, because I, I think the Players Association ought to look at itself and say, we got to get rid of this franchise tag, but that's for another day. 
Fair or not, these are the NFL rules. There was a July right. 5th deadline. Mm-hmm. That deadline has passed. The only option Brown really has right now is to sign the franchise tag. This is me, Pete Sweeney talking. This isn't any any sources and whatnot uh, of what Brown is thinking. Uh, I'm just confused by this because I I just I feel like at a certain point, if you're a player and you're a competitor, and even if you're ticked off at the team about this, I think your best course of action is to just get in and sign the tag because you have no other option. And at this point, any missed time, and and we can get into some of the mixed messages the Chiefs are saying, but any at any time, if you don't get there to Kansas City or any missed time, what, what you're doing, I think, is costing yourself preparation for what has become a new contract year for you. And I, I don't know. I, I would feel like the competitor in me would be like, OK, this sucks. I am unhappy with the team. Maybe when you get there, you can have a closed door meeting with Brett Veach and Andy Reid and kind of tell them that and, and express that. After that, you want to be as prepared as possible to go and, and prove them wrong. And I, I just wonder about this course of action from Orlando Brown Jr. We. We knew it was coming, so this isn't really a a tremendous surprise, but I, I'm still wondering out loud what the sense is behind it. The only thing I can think of from the Brown camp's side is the possibility they could be injured in training camp. They might be willing to take the risk of injury when he's out on the field playing to his potential and hopefully getting to a point he can get a bigger deal next year. That might be an acceptable risk to them. But they don't want to take the risk that he will be injured um, on a training camp rep. Uh, that's that, that's really the only reason to hold out of training camp, as nearly as I can see. I mean, I don't think there's any upside in letting the team know that you're mad <laughs> by not showing up at training camp. Yeah, I, I don't see I don't see how that does you any good. Um, so I'm just on the side of they just must be wanting to have a, a real benefit available when they take the risk of putting him out on the field. That's the only and, thing I can think of here. And you to, might be right. That's what and, the justification would be. And yeah. to me, that that's the most logical thing. And I think that makes sense. Now, OK, let's say the Brown camp doesn't want Brown to become injured because now you are on the books for 60 million dollars. There are no future years tied to that right now. The, the only thing the Chiefs need to do is pay you that money once you sign your franchise tech. You know, I, I get all that. Okay, so if I'm Brown at this point, what I, what I think comes to mind for me is you got to eventually get here with enough time in your mind mm-hmm, to be completely right. ready for week one. Mm-hmm, yeah, that's for Brown to answer. Is it three weeks? Mm-hmm. Do you need two weeks? How many preseason games do you need? Because mm-hmm. I, I just think from a strategy standpoint of your own life, your own career, this is even talking about the Chiefs, you just want to be ready. And and the idea right. that Garofolo, who has been connected to Brown's camp during this entire time, has been talking with them, it seems like, and relaying that information, the, the fact that he keeps floating week one out there, I, I sort of understood before negotiations ended why that was happening. Mm-hmm. The week one thing would make no sense because now you're talking about missing time where you're trying to build a case for the chiefs right. or another team to give you the long-term mm-hmm. contract that you're looking for, but you're also costing yourself money. If you look at the books, right? Brown in his career has only made what three or four 
million five and five four, and change i think five or and change yeah, okay yeah, it's so not a little very bit much yeah so now you're now in, in a 18 game season you're costing yourself about a million uh, a game it, any game that you would miss you're costing yourself a you know roughly a million dollars where if you played four or five games as we just said you would double your career earnings now mm-hmm. maybe that's a little bit different coming from the football brown pedigree that that the zeus pedigree where maybe you are taken care of to an extent i just at this stage i understand what you're saying where you don't want to get injured at camp we've seen right. camp injuries but still at this stage you you really want to be there with enough time to make sure you're fully 100% ready health wise and i think confidence wise going into what has now become the the next most important year of your career where you know you play really well in this year you give the chiefs a, a really tough uh, scenario next offseason where maybe they have to pay more money or maybe the only option is to trade you to a team that is willing to uh, and, and the way that you make that as tough a problem as, as possible is by being a camp. And so I don't know, just as logic kind of told me they weren't going to come to an agreement just because of, of the way that things had gone over the past year or so. And the things that have been floating out throughout the year, I just thought they would be too far apart and they ended up that way. I just, I think it it could all be this smoke where Brown is getting out, out there that he's unhappy and he wants that out there. But logically, I mean, he's got to be back in camp with at least two or three weeks to go. That's what, what logic would, would tell me, John. Well, I just want to make it clear. I'm not advocating for Brown missing time at training camp. You kind of said something made me <laughs> made it sound like I was, I was arguing that. I'm just no, trying no. to make sense of what he's doing. Yeah, no, I, if I it was If it was me, if I was Orlando Brown or if I was Orlando Brown's agent advising him, I would have told him to sign the contract the Chiefs offered. Um, I thought it was a fair deal. Um, probably wasn't the money that he wanted, but let's be realistic about what he's worth on the market right now. I think the chiefs offered him a good deal, uh, at, at, you know, the five year, $19 million a year average is a, is good. It's more than he would have had, uh, playing on the franchise tag. It didn't have the guarantees he wanted, but he hasn't really earned those guarantees yet. He hasn't shown that he's a good enough player that the, that a team can really risk giving him a real long-term guarantee on a contract. I, I thought it was a good deal, but he thinks he can do better, and I get that. And and if I'm an NFL player, um, you know, filled with self confidence, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say. Oh yeah. Okay, fine. I'm going to, I'm going to believe in myself and think I can get a better deal later, but that only works if you get on the field and prove that, you know, in this situation. And so uh, if I were Orlando Brown or I was Orlando Brown's agent, uh, giving him advice, I'd be telling him to sign the franchise tag and get his butt to St. Joe, because that's, that's his best shot at having a great year. So, and I, I don't know how we're back from vacation and 14 minutes in, I'm bringing up Kirk Cousins. But remember when <laughs> Kirk Cousins was on the field and would play a really good game in Washington and would go up to the Washington GM? And that's where you know that you like that energy came from. That's mm-hmm. where he went right. up to him and yelled at him after the game and almost shook him and said, look, you should have given me the money that I deserve. You can play well for the Chiefs and also – help your team while proving a point to to brett veach in saying 
look, I handled de- defensive end X all game long. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. right? And 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 you decided not to pay me. That was a, a grand mistake. You can kind of smile and grit your teeth through some of that this year while still helping your team. Speaking of the team, Patrick Mahomes and Creed Humphrey, when they've been asked about this Brown situation, continue to take the high road, not getting into contract stuff about their teammates. And I think that's right for them, because at the end of the day, I think we all know that Brown is going to play for this team. But you do have to ask the question, what if he doesn't show up and he hasn't shown mm-hmm. up? We don't think he'll yeah. be there on Wednesday. Who is going to be playing left tackle? I've said I, I think the candidates there are Roderick Johnson, Jaron Christian. Prince Teguanogo is someone that could be interesting once he comes off the PUP. Lucas Niang, I tend to think, will be on the PUP for a while, so I don't know if he'll be in the mix right away. I think it was significant that Andy Reid did mention on the first day of camp that Joe Tooney, and this is a quote, mm-hmm. Joe Tooney could do it in a heartbeat. He did it week yeah. 17 against Cincinnati last year. Andy Reid, in his near opening statements about this Brown situation, uh, Andy Reid doesn't publicly get ticked off uh, all that often. Uh, mm-hmm. He uses certain phrases and words and strategy to depict how he's feeling about a certain situation. Andy Reid is not happy with how Orlando Brown is handling this. And I don't need Andy Reid to come to the podium and say, I'm not happy about this. No, by saying Tooney's name in Mm -hmm. context of Brown, he is telling you, dude, enough, come and and play football, right? right? Let's put this business stuff behind. It's over. (laughs) It's over. Come play, come play a ball. And we'll see if that message extends to the field on Wednesday, because I do think that there's a decent chance that Joe Tooney is playing left tackle on Wednesday. And it may not seem like a, a big deal, but you know that would be a gigantic story both in Kansas City and, and really the landscape of the NFL. Because, yeah, you can say, okay, Roderick Johnson, Jaron Christian, the second Brown comes back, okay, he's your left tackle. When you talk about Tooney starting to get reps there, I think it's more of a message from the team is like, look, this ship is sailing away. Right. Mm-hmm. Whether, whether you're going to be on the right. ship or not. So the sooner <laughs> you get here, the less you're going to have to swim to, to catch up to a, a ship that's trying to, to find its way to another Super Bowl. And so I just think that's a very interesting aspect of it. And really the next step of this as we get through the week and, and continue with our, our shows here on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, it's it's going to be the reaction to whoever's playing left tackle on Wednesday. And and Tooney, to me, being there would be the biggest message to the Brown camp and, and just saying, Look, the sooner you get here, the better. I thought it was interesting because that was the veiled between the lines message, I think, of him mentioning Tooney. I think a lot of people took that to mean that, you know, they're making an announcement about the about the depth chart, but it wasn't. He was just making a point that was for Orlando Brown's ears. And at the same time, he was very direct when he said, you miss time, you miss time. It's hard to make that up. And that for Reed is a pretty brunt, a pretty blunt statement in a situation like this. And I also thought it was interesting that he mentioned that the young players uh, have learned how to separate the contract negotiations from the uh, from playing on the team, that they are able to compartmentalize those things. And then when the contract negotiations are over, however they come out, they can come back onto the team and be a team player. I think that was also a message for Orlando Brown. You're a young guy. This is what I expect from you, 
Right. And, and, you know, maybe it's working or maybe it's making Orlando Brown mad. No, I don't want to be, <laughs> you right. know, that's pure speculation on my part, but, but, it, you know, I think it was, there, there were several things that Reed said that I think were at least partially meant for Orlando Brown's ears. Yeah, no. And, and I, I feel like, they haven't been in contact, right? It, it's just been Brett Veach and the representation mm-hmm. and Brown's representation. And Brown, from a little bit of what Creed Humphrey said today, again, in support of Brown, but he said, you know, they haven't really talked as much because I, I think Brown, in, in a way, is on an island a little bit. I I don't know. I, I think it, it's tough because I think coming into the year, you felt really good about the Kansas City Chiefs locker room, especially when things start to come out about how maybe Tyreek Hill, for example, was disgruntled last year and some of that mm-hmm. stuff was hidden yeah. away and it, you're extracting it. Not that you don't want one of the best receivers in the league, if not the best receiver in the league and certainly in chiefs history on your team. But if he's disgruntled and unhappy, maybe there's a scenario where it's better for him to move on. You get these draft picks. Do you reload the room? You have a good feel locker room going into what is a really important year for this franchise. And this to me is a little bit of a cloud hanging over until it gets resolved. And I think I feel for how the fans feel. And I think how Andy Reid feels is man, get Brown in and give yourself the best possible opportunity to go take back what was yours with the Cincinnati Bengals coming back in that second half and going to the Super Bowl when that should have been you. Right. And, And I think that's a rallying cry. The entire team could get behind and even Brown, who right now is is unhappy very clearly. I think once he does show up, it's time to to move on, look forward and be motivated by that. Right. You have an opportunity to, to go out there and make Brett Veach look bad. The, the sooner that you arrive in camp, the better opportunity you'll have uh, to do that. All right, we've talked enough about Orlando Brown. That's where it stands now. We could we do play, an hour on this easily, right. I think. <laughs> now we play the waiting game and, and see when he will arrive. This will be a topic. A, I'm I'm talking out loud, John, as we're we're doing our our content plan in front of everybody. Maybe there's a daily <laughs> post that's the Orlando Brown watch at this point. Has, has Orlando Brown arrived to camp this morning? Uh, and you just answer the question as you guys click on the post, and it, it's likely going to be no for at least a week. Uh, we'll see how it goes. We'll see what we do with OurHeadPride.com, but we'll, of course, keep you updated there. Unfortunate news uh, when it comes to Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver Justin Ross. The Chiefs opted to put him on the injured reserve list. That happened on, on Monday evening, and this means that Ross's 2022 season is over before it begins. Ross, it was revealed, recently had surgery to correct and repair what seemed to be faulty surgery stemming back to Clemson in November of 2021. Ross had been working during the offseason workouts with the Kansas City Chiefs. I had heard all the hype. I had seen all the hype. I went out to these OTA practices and I didn't see the player that everybody was talking about. This makes a lot more sense. Andy Reid revealed in his opening training camp press conference that the foot wasn't working as Ross wanted it to work. So rather than trying to have him play through what was another issue, they corrected it with surgery. I'm sure we'll get an update on that. Uh, Assuming the surgery was successful, he will now rehab in the Kansas City Chiefs facility, take mental reps all year, and will be looking to come back a stronger player in 2023. What it seemed like outside looking in, John, is this was the best possible scenario for Ross given the information that they had 
probably could use a year after he missed a, a whole year of football in 2020, only a half a year in 2021, and still a lingering foot injury. The Chiefs probably figured, I think it's best that we get this guy in our building, repair the foot completely, get him to be 100%, and let's give him the best possible chance to actually make a team in 2023 rather than cutting him and maybe things tailspinning and him never ending up in the NFL. So this lottery ticket that is the fantastic and marvelous and mysterious Justin Ross <laughs> now is is postponed till 2023 in, in that offseason. Uh, one of the things that I find interesting about this situation is that on Friday, uh, Reed said that he would be among the players who would be going on the PUP list, the physically mm -hmm. unable to perform list. And then on Saturday, the Chiefs officially put him there only to two days later take him off of there to put him on injured reserve. And I, I wonder if they were waiting for a report that they received yesterday or today that told them the possibilities that he'd be able to play this year. Because when you're on PUP, you can come off at yeah. any time during training camp if you're medically cleared. The, the, the doctor says, yeah, you're fine to play. The team can take you off. You just go right back on the practice field. If you're still on there at the end of the offseason uh, on final countdown, uh, final cutdown date, then you have to go on the in-season version where you're required to stay on there for a certain number of games. Mm -hmm. And then there's kind of a complicated procedure. You know, it's got a six-week window that opens up for the team to decide if you're ready to play and blah, 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 blah. And I think maybe the Chiefs were still hopeful that he would be available to play possibly but they wanted to have their options open uh for stashing him this year um when they put him on the pup because in order to make that in-season pup you've got to be on the off-season pup before training camp begins so they covered their bases by doing that and then they get this piece of information that i'm speculating about let's be clear about that i'm just speculating about this but it would make sense for the way this went down that then yesterday or today, they get a doctor's report that says, okay, this is not going to be ready soon enough for him to play this year. And they said, okay, fine, let's put him on injured reserve. And then we don't have to worry about somebody poaching him. He can focus on learning the playbook for the next year. You know, he, everybody's on the same page now. There's no, you know, what if he's ready to go at some point this year? We're just going to say, no, you're going to take this year off. You're going to be a red shirt NFL player and next year come back ready to go. Uh, I think it may have played out that way. I think it's a fair point that maybe there was additional information. I, I also think they could have gotten the information back from the surgery, had a conversation with the player and said, what do you think is best for your future mm -hmm. here too? And That's maybe fun. a year of rehabbing, learning the playbook, being able to take mental mm -hmm. reps, working out again, after missing all of 2020, you're, you're off your feet again for half of 2021. Now you're entering, entering 2022. You didn't get drafted. How strong can you really be? And there's mm -hmm. there's a case of, of a guy on the team right now in Darius Harris who did take a redshirt year. Now, has he been a fantastic contributor for the Chiefs? No, no not necessarily. But there's another player that stuck around and eventually mm -hmm. was able to contribute in some fashion to the team so this isn't necessarily the end of the road for justin ross but oh, it is no, uh -uh. 
it is quite a delay. I mean, when you're talking about 365 days or, you know, 10 months, I guess you should say that's quite a delay. And, and I, I think given the hype, which I I mean, we could write a book on how Justin Ross got as hyped as he did in Kansas city. Cause (laughs) I, I feel like even the most casual fans of, you know, friends of mine that I know somehow knew about this undrafted free agent. I, you know, I, I don't know how it, it's sort of tailspin and it's a tremendous disappointment, but there is a bright side in that it, it doesn't necessarily have to be the final chapter. It doesn't necessarily have to be the end of the road. It's just, we'll wait and see now what happens to, to Ross. Sure. It's, it's going to yeah. be one after, after the Super Bowl parade, John, it'll be remember Justin Ross could be in the mix <laughs> as Nicole Hardman and Juju Smith Schuster make millions and millions of dollars in free agency. But that is for uh, another day, way down the road, another right. editor show. Uh, way down the road i want to talk quickly about the pup before we take a quick break and then get into my initial takeaways of training camp i want to just uh, say okay so we have prince taken Winogo on the pup he's dealing with the leg you have lucas niang uh, who is on the pup he is still coming back from the knee surgery the other one that has been working off to the side is rashad fenton and to me, the one that sticks out and the one I think that is is the the biggest, mm, I don't know if it's something that you should be worried about or, or you want to call it the biggest worry, but the one that, that raises the eyebrows the most is Fenton. Mm-hmm. When you lose Traverius Ward, you were expecting Rashad Fenton to be this reliable piece right. that, that you could have in there. And PUP indicates that maybe there's, there's some more question there. I know that Brett right. Beach had, had been on the record in, in saying that Fenton would be ready for the start of training camp. That did not happen. I, not, I don't know if I want to call it a setback. I, I, we don't know for sure, but something along the the road with a timeline went from the beginning of training camp to sometime during training camp, and and you're knocking on wood and hoping that's the case. But he's a he's a key part in a, an already really young cornerback room. So I think of the three pups to monitor as they're working off to the side. Niang, I think he'll be on the PUP to start the year. So you're looking at week five for him. I, I really feel that way. A little unclear what's going on with Prince Tego and Nogo. He's had some injuries throughout his career. But the, the one that you, you got to continue to monitor to me uh, is Rashad Fenton and when he's able to get back on the field. You know, uh, it's possible that um, uh, that the Chiefs knew that there was a chance it could play out this way. And that by itself could explain why they went so heavily on defensive backs in the draft. Right. Uh, which we won't, which we weren't really expecting. Um, you know, I, I've occasionally said to people over the last couple of months since the draft, well, okay. So they didn't high, you know, they didn't get a couple of defensive ends in the draft, hmm. but they got a bunch of defensive backs and maybe they're thinking that they can do better with the players they have on the line. If the, if the back end is holding up better, now I'm wondering if they knew something that they weren't telling us back in April right. that uh, Fenton might not be available to play this year, or at least there was that possibility. And they said, well, let's get us a bunch of cornerbacks and uh, safeties and, and mm-hmm. figure out how to get by without Fenton too. That would have to be a possibility based on what we now know. Well, that's one thing. I, I mean, while we were away, I ended up putting up my first 53-man projection. I didn't include mm-hmm. DeAndre Baker just simply because they drafted five defensive backs and right, right. They traded for another one yeah. in what was Lonnie Johnson. So you wonder how much they even feel good about their own crop here. And I think that's a, a fair point as well. Like maybe they were saying we need to really 
figure out what happens with Rashad Fenton mm-hmm. and let's continue to load up that room. The, the defensive back room really feels like the running back room usually feels I, I, <laughs> going into to this particular camp where there's just so many guys and you can only keep five or six of them. How is it going to shake out? I, I, I think that is another position to watch, especially as Fenton continues to spend time on what is the physically unable to perform list but that is our conversation on orlando brown we talked about justin ross we talked about the pup when we come back i will reveal five points that i've noticed from this first portion of training camp that's with rookies and quarterbacks you're listening to the arrowhead pride editor's show when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Pete Sweeney hanging out with my esteemed deputy editor. That is John Dixon. John, it's it's good to be back with you, my guy. It's good to be back in training camp. It's good to be back with actual tangible news. That month, that month leading into training camp, (laughs) it is react it, it, it is relaxing, but it is sometimes not fun as you're trying to find anything, anything tangible to say about your Kansas City Chiefs. We we do get the gift of Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey golfing in Lake Tahoe, yeah, which that's is a true. Nice yeah, content uh, well for us as, as we try to put things up. But uh, more times than not, I mean, it's only bad news that you're getting during the, the week leading, or I should say, the month leading into training camp. Yeah, well, we do the best we can, and uh, people complain about it, but. You know, uh, it is what it is. You know, there's right. only so much news to go around during that particular time of year. The NFL's done a really good job of uh, spreading out the calendar so that there's news happening at almost any time. But, you know, they have to stop it at some point, if for mm. no other reason, so the coaches and players can take a little time off, yeah. which is exactly what ends up happening in the first few weeks of July. And uh, thankfully, it gives us a chance to to scale back a little bit because it's it's a grind. Once training camp begins, we're we're in it now, Pete. So yep. hang on, buddy. Yeah, let's strap in, <laughs> seatbelt in. I I I have been out there already, and and you know you can just tell that there's a little bit of juice in, in this Chiefs training camp, and I and I, mm-hmm. I do think that that is going to make it fun. And I'm glad that we did get the time off, but. Now it's all eyes to Wednesday and this first practice. Leo Chanel in his press conference revealed to us, thank you, Leo, that the first padded practice is coming to us on August 1, which is Friday as I'm pulling up my calendar. So that'll be the, the next date after we get the, the first full team report on Wednesday. But before isn't that, isn't that Monday? It could the 20, be. The, 20, I, I, uh, the Friday is the 29th. Yeah, no, you you're you were you're way better at using a calendar than I am. Uh, as it turns out, it is Monday. Sorry, I know I'm. Uh, I, I I hate to bring up that point. As, let's not confuse people. During training camp, I'm up there, you know, through the weekend. You're working through the weekend, John. I call every day Tuesday, so now using a calendar becomes even more confusing. So uh, I'll be up there Tuesday again tomorrow. Uh, it, tomorrow actually is Tuesday, but then it'll yeah, be Tuesday, right, yeah. Tuesday, 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 Tuesday. Yeah. So Monday is when the pads come on. Let's be very clear about that. Monday, August one. Uh, while we wait for that, 
we will have the full team practice on Wednesday. This past weekend, as I've mentioned a couple times, it was quarterbacks and rookies. They're in shorts. There's only 31 or so players in the field on Monday. There was only 28 with Mahomes and Kenny and Fortson getting the day off. But it, I, I had a few things that I, I took away. And, and John, you could comment on, on some of these things as, as I tell you. The first one of five. So I'm going to go through five of these things. But the first right. one was, and, and Darren Kennard confirmed this at his press conference, we saw him playing right tackle quite a bit. And I, I, I expected that, right? But I, I think it's just something to check off. And I think what that makes you do now is fast forward to Wednesday and just see how much he is playing and with which team. It, it, he was playing in different spots during OTAs. He was buried to an extent. So now will he be alternating with Andrew Wiley? Will he just be on the third mm-hmm. team? Will he be on the yeah. second team? Uh, but I think it is a good sign for, and, and really I think to, to bring back to the surface that potential for him to maybe unseat Andrew Wiley a, as a rookie. I, I think there's a, a chance, but in this rookie quarterback weekend, just good to see him getting so much work at the position that a lot of people thought he might have a chance to win in year one. Well, part of that's artificial because there weren't very many offensive linemen available for these practices. Uh, You know, you're talking about rookies, Mm -hmm. quarterbacks, and a handful of second-year players, basically. Most of them ones coming off injuries is the way it usually plays out. Um, So, you know, there weren't all that many players to compete with him. Uh, If I'm not mistaken, in OTAs, Kennard was kind of back in the mix a little bit. So you're right. This will be very interesting to see how this plays out. But I wouldn't get too worked up about the possibility that we'll see him playing a lot with the first team. We'll see. It'll be I, – I'm rooting for the guy. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see this guy succeed. I'd like to see the Chiefs have another guy that they can count on uh, at the tackle position. And I think this kid could could be something special. But so far we haven't really seen that. Um, and maybe uh, getting a chance to uh, play in front of the coaches for three practices uh, will be a point in his favor when they get to get to start doing things on Wednesday. That's the beauty of pro training camp that's different from college. College can really keep things a mystery because you're only able to see so much during mm-hmm. yeah. leading into the season. We'll know who the right tackle is just based upon practices and, and preseason games and, and everything like that. And so uh, we're, we're teasing a little bit of, of questions that we're wondering uh, maybe going into training camp in our final segment, but I, I think Kennard has an opportunity here. I On draft weekend and some of the buzz coming out of draft weekend, you felt like, okay, maybe he's even the favorite to start at right tackle. Then I, I've kind of felt as we went through the offseason programming, no, this is more of Andrew Wiley's job to lose, and now I, I've swayed the other way, and now I'm sort of swaying back to Kennard. <laughs> really a seesaw with this whole Kennard-Wiley situation, but I, I do feel Wiley will get the first crack at this, and then we'll see if if Andrew or, or if Kennard can can sneak in there in previous seasons, it's been we'll do one thing during the offseason and then day one, all of a sudden you have the rookie out there. I do not think that will be the case, but I do think he's getting an opportunity to show what he can do and maybe unseat Andrew Wiley. Uh, well, as know- I said, I'm, I'm rooting for for Kennard to do something here, but I think it's also fair to point out that the Chiefs offensive line coach, Andy Heck, loves him some Andrew Wiley. They love that kid. And so I think he gets a lot more credit in the coaching staff's eyes than he does in the eyes of fans. I think it's always important to point that out. Other takeaway from the weekend. This is number two. uh, Joshua Williams. I almost said Justin Williams. Joshua (laughs) Williams has uh, stood out to me 
Um, yeah. Maybe even more so than McDuffie. McDuffie's been solid, but I, I just didn't know what to expect from Williams, and especially mm-hmm. with Rashad Fenton's sideline and, and working to the side. Williams, he stands at 6'3", he's 195 pounds, and as we're talking about defensive backs and needing depth, I think that's a positive sign that you might get some contributions out of your small school fourth rounder. And I could even see in these, these days that he was gaining a little bit of confidence. Don't forget, he was going one-on-one in, in some plays against Jody Fortson. Jody Fortson, we are already saying, is a on the 53-man tight end and, and in a way was showing extreme athleticism last year. And Williams, you know, he was he was holding his own. And, and I, I think he made some plays that I, I liked seeing from him. And I think he he's a guy you didn't really know a lot about him. But I, I think this weekend was big for him because he's going to be really comfortable going into Wednesday. Whereas if they didn't have this weekend, maybe he, he right. would be a little bit more timid. And I, I just feel good about him. I think 23 is a, is a player to watch and maybe a player we should be talking about more as we talk about a Chiefs training camp and, and this defense as a whole. You know, not every team does what the Chiefs do with this rookie and quarterback prelude uh, to the full practices. But uh, I think you're bringing up an excellent point about why they matter, because they get a chance to get an extended look at a player like Williams or a player like Kennard that they might not uh, if everybody just came to practice for the first time on Wednesday. So this is one of the advantages of doing it, I think. Reed always talks about, uh, you know, knocking off the rust and getting additional training on the things they covered in the off season program. And those things are true, but I think it's also an opportunity for these rookies to really get a chance to get on the field and be the focus for a little while and make an impression with the coaches. I think it, it helps them uh, tremendously and and read what he does is he builds a couple of these in. So when they have the rookie camp, they're given the foundation for the first time, you know, then they start OTAs and you have the voluntary workouts and now you have the veterans in and they are given the foundation again. And then they have the rookie camp here uh, and they're given the foundation one more time. So it's really three basic trainings for new players. And, and I think it pays dividends, especially uh, in, in these teams where you, you see younger players contributing at, at such an early stage, this can only help. And I, I think it's a really smart play by Andy Reid. He's been doing it a long time, and this is certainly part of what is his yearly routine. All right, moving forward, I already talked about how Jody Fortson looks back to form. I've said quite a few things. That's number three. He just looks like he wasn't injured. And that was mm-hmm. something that I asked him in his press conference. Are you 100? He confirmed he's good to go. And then I, I said, when did you feel that way? And he said, sometime during OTA. So this has been for a while now that he, at least yeah. he's saying he's felt 100%. And to me, that just offers you uh, another weapon, another tight end. I, I love the idea of having two tight ends on the field. Maybe not when it's Kelsey and Blake Bell and you're leaving some of these wide receivers that are outstanding on the sideline. But if you're telling me Travis Kelsey and Jody Forsen are going to be on the field at the same time, yeah. That's a, a force to be reckoned with, and a healthy Fortson is great for the Chiefs' offense. That's going to be finding somewhat of a new identity in 2022. You know, I thought it was interesting yesterday uh, when you asked Fortson about that, and he said, without any equivocation and without any hesitation, that he was ready to go, hundred percent. I'm yeah. all in. Yeah. But uh, I also thought it was interesting, and, and I happened to be the one to write the, the piece about that interview. But uh, and I and I made the point that it's not like he just crossed the finish line. Right. You know, a lot of times in this kinds of situation, 
you've got a player who comes in and, and we'll use Rashad Fenton as the example. He comes in and maybe he's playing, but he's just, just now getting over the finish line and he's still, you know, playing gingerly. Uh-uh. Fortson mm-hmm. said that he was ready to go after OTAs and he went back to the, his trainer and they worked on his breaks and they said, yeah, you're ready to go, dude. And so now he's just been taking it easy for a few weeks. I think this is really cool. It says a lot about where he is uh, as uh, coming back, coming in terms of coming back from his injury, that he's been, you know, cool with it for a number of weeks now through this break. And um, I, I think it gives him confidence that he's going to be able to play well in training camp and hit the ground running in the season. I'm real excited about it. I think this is going to be cool. So. Yeah, and I think when, especially the national heads, I know that a lot of Arrowhead Pride readers also like to watch Fox Sports and ESPN and NFL Network, and you know they're talking about MVS and McColl and Juju, right. mm-hmm. but they forget about guys like Jody Fortson and mm-hmm. in the tight end room, Noah Gray, and maybe what a Clyde Edwards-Elair can do through the air, and there are more weapons here. R- Ronald Jones is another one. Jerick McKinnon looked great at the end of last year. Uh, I mentioned Hardman, but just the aspect of Hardman being this Debo Samuel light and all the interesting things that Andy Reid was coming up for him. I I just think there are aspects to the team that aren't discussed nationally. And and it's so much of a they had Tyreek Hill and now they don't. Well, they got MBS and Juju, but the conversation nationally stops there and it shouldn't. And speaking of that, oh, my God, my fourth point here back from the dead. Cornell Powell was dead. He was a yeah. not not in a physical sense, but I had written him off completely. I I you sure he, did. He, he was on the practice squad. I figured that he would be an easy cut. He played really well on Saturday and Sunday. He had ten receptions. Some of them were from Patrick Mahomes. He had great hands. He was making all different kinds of catches, running all different kinds of routes. His hands, as Herbie Teope of the Kansas City Star, a friend of the site, said, I believe on his Twitter, his hands were like Velcro on Sunday. I believe six of those ten catches came on Sunday. And I don't know if he's going to make the 53-man roster, but I think this is a guy that will definitely stick around. I I figured that this would be the end of the road for him. I think I wrote that in my 1.0 going into training camp, and I I still kind of feel like he would maybe need an injury or a complete continuation of the fall off by Josh Gordon to make this team. But I, I'm suddenly watching him again. I'm watching number 14 again. And, and I think that's a lot more than I thought I'd be able to say after what is just the, the rookie launch uh, or, you know, in, in Powell's case, the second year player launch um, that comes with the first part of training camp. Well, he's also getting the benefit of being on a short roster yeah. in the rookie and quarterback weekend. Because there's a lot of wide receivers on this squad that weren't on the field this past weekend. So he got a lot of opportunities. And good for him that he made the most of them and got your attention. You know, that's good. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But, uh, you know, just like I spoke about before, uh, we'll have to just see how this plays out when all those other wide receivers are on the field. But but I know, you know, that's a fair point, too, though. Like he could disappear here really quickly on Wednesday yeah, yeah and, right. and and we'll see I mean that's the challenge yeah. of it he needs to have a good camp if he's going to make a case uh, we yeah. we have continued to say it I right now have Gordon and Watson with those final two wide receiver spots uh 
I of course don't want Justin Ross to, to miss the year, but in a sense, we will no longer see fans saying, no, Justin Ross is going to have one. No. Can we find like, we finally know for sure. He's 100% right. not going to have right. one of those spots. So right now I have uh, Gordon and Watson uh, and this just makes that battle for the end there uh, a bit more interesting. So something to watch my fifth and final point, And this is just something you could say each and every year, but watching Patrick Mahomes practice, no look passes is just, it's become normal in Kansas city. And it, yeah. and it doesn't happen in, in every place. Maybe you can say that in LA with Stafford, it does. Maybe you could say in green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, it does. Maybe they are practicing this type of thing, but, it is just wild to see him throw dart after dart after dart in individual, the individual part of, of camp practicing, not looking at the receiver and completing the pass. And our own Aaron Ladd, and this was for 41, he had Mahomes practicing behind the back passes the other day. And that's been out there for a bit that they maybe want to start working in uh, behind the back passes. If you're going to do those type of things, we know you, you need to be playing well. You, of course, don't want to make a behind-the-back pass in the game that you lose, John, but it, right, it just right. continues to fascinate me just how damn good this guy is, and it's become so normal. Uh, you know, And I, I think even for the fans, like once they get there on Wednesday and Thursday, sure, there might be some oohs and ahs, but we've really gotten used to just utterly outstanding, surreal, alien quarterback play. Yeah, if we'd had an editor's show podcast back in 2016, the fifth point wouldn't have been Alex Smith. <laughs> no, <passes>. no. <laughs> we've come a long way in a fairly short time, haven't we? <laughs> the checkdown king. No, he's a, he's he's great. I I and for me, uh, you know, we say checkdown king, but for me, he needs to be in the Ring of Honor at some point. Absolutely. You, know, you, you put a lot yeah. of these guys in the Ring of Honor. He completely changed the the course of of history for. What was the Kansas City Chiefs who were in the low of the lows? And then on yeah. top of that, Andy Reid has said countless times that he helped mentor Patrick Mahomes, who could go down as and will go down as the greatest chief ever. But will he go down as, you know, the best NFL player uh, ever? We will see. Um, but but just uh, just the passing of the torch from complete mediocre years and years to being a relevant in their every year team again sure. in the leadership. I mean, Alex Smith to me is, is just, uh, you know, so, so important to this franchise. All well, right. I've last... just had a little fun of his, his expense, but I completely agree with you. He's, I know. He's... I always want to say that too, because sometimes Alex Smith can be a punchline, right? I, I think it is also important to, to go with that punchline and also just right. say, look, look, I don't know if the chiefs are, have Mahomes. you know, maybe the right, regime right. doesn't make it to picking Mahomes if Alex Smith doesn't do what he does. Right. right. You know, sometimes these shelf lives are a lot shorter than, than we'd expect when someone is hired. Anyway, uh, one last thing I, I gave you the five points, but Leo Chanel, when he goes iron sharpens iron, and then he starts talking about Mahomes and the rookies. And he says, no, it's diamonds sharpening copper. <laughs> I am a huge fan of self-deprecating humor and good for Leo who had a tough day Saturday, really rebounded on Sunday during this camp uh, where he had to leave early to the heat and then had the interception. So good for Leo who, who was able to come back on Sunday, not only have the interception over Dustin Crum to end practice, but nailing the quote of the day, Leo and your, and your rookie or yeah. quote of the weekend, really uh, very impressive uh, weekend for Leo Chanel, who, is a violent physical run stopper who's working on his pass coverage. Maybe give Justin Houston the call up in Baltimore. All right. That's the five takeaways from rookie and quarterback weekend in, in chiefs training camp. We now look forward to Wednesday when all of these guys get on the field. When we come back, we'll bring in 
Arrowhead Pride audio producer Steven Serta for a quick roundtable on the burning questions we have entering full team training camp. You're listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, we got through the news. We got through some of the takeaways from rookie and quarterback weekend at Chiefs training camp. It's eyes on Wednesday for the first full team workout and we'll be talking about some questions that we have some burning questions going into what is this first full team workout we've brought in steven serta but we'll start with the deputy editor john dixon john i want to start with you because before we got on the air you said you only had three so if steve and i go first who knows if if we take two right. of those three questions so let's let's get one from you to, oh, to start okay this wouldn't necessarily be my biggest one but i think this would be one that neither of you guys are going to pick and okay. i'm very interested in in this particular thing how many tight ends are the Chiefs going to have on the roster? You know, we, <laughs> I was we, not going to pick this. <laughs> uh, the the uh, we got Travis Kelsey for sure, and based on our previous conversation, Jody Fortson for sure. Uh, Noah Gray, you think they're going to? We we've got to think the Chiefs are going to give him a real shot to make the roster. Is Blake Bell the odd, odd man out, or do the Chiefs want to go back into this season with four tight ends like they did last year? Yeah. So they've got the option to put those four tight end sets on the field. Now, I would say they absolutely want to do that, but they've got questions at other position groups playing the numbers game where maybe they would have to say, no, we're just going to have to go with three this year. So that, to me, is a very interesting thing going into training camp is how this is going to end up in the tight end room. I think Chiefs training camp and and training camps in general have battles, right? And Mm -hmm. for me, Andrew Wiley versus Darian Kennard is a battle and one that we've talked about for a while now. But I think there's also these hidden battles. And the tight end room, when you have Noah Gray, who was a pretty good blocker for the Chiefs last year, and Mm -hmm. you could save a spot, by keeping a gray over a bell. Like to me, gray versus bell is a hidden battle that maybe even the two guys don't realize they're in, in in a sense where they just kind of both think, Oh, you know, we're going back with the T-Rex, which is what they call the the four tight end set. And we'll all be back here. And I I don't know if if that is, is a definite just given the offensive depth on this team and and wanting to keep even 25 and, and 20, 25 defense and 25 offense. In my first projection, I ended up keeping one more, offensive player which i didn't really feel great about but i didn't know who to cut maybe it is uh, a tight end i think another hidden battle for example and and one that we really haven't talked about might be like mike dana or josh kando versus frank clark like what if frank clark just absolutely continues to stink even though he's making a you know a lot of money still even with even with the pay cut if mike dana just plays better maybe they could unseat him would that be totally unfathomable so within training camp you have battles but there's also hidden battles and i think you identified one there in in noah gray versus blake bell all right steve let's continue to you uh, you said that you weren't asking the tight end question you kind of sheepishly <laughs> laughed at john uh, in your in your first moment on the show uh, so what so let's hear your your golden payoff here. here come on yeah. now I just think there's a lot of questions to ask before we're <laughs> gonna get to who's gonna make the roster at tight end um 
So you mentioned Frank Clark, and that's where I'm going to go. My question is just, what does Frank Clark look like? Because yeah. at the start of last season, he had multiple lower leg injuries that he said kept him out of shape and, and kept him from being effective until like halfway through the season. And now we've seen all these pictures in the offseason of skinny Frank. He's been working out, best shape of his life. They desperately need him to be a difference maker this season. Otherwise, it's you're banking on George Karloftis having like an otherworldly rookie year, which I don't think is good strategy when you're the Chiefs and you're trying to compete for championships. You need Frank Clark to be a huge difference maker, assuming that they're not going to bring in another pass rusher. So I really need to come out of camp this year feeling confident that Frank Clark is going to have a bounce back season. No, and and I I think that if the Chiefs are going to be as successful as they want to be this year, Clark is going to have to contribute. Now, you could have a defensive end room by committee, but the bottom line is no matter where you're getting the sacks, the Chiefs need to get to the quarterback more than they did last year. That could be by Frank Clark having 10 sacks and George Karloftis having 10 sacks. That could be by, you know, you have four or five guys having five sacks. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I just think the defensive ends need to be better. Is it a rotation? Uh, it they would certainly be helped by Frank Clark being a little bit more of the old Frank Clark than this new version that is not as shark-like. Right, right John? Give him an eight, good... ten. eight to ten sacks. That's what I need from you this year, Frank. Yeah, well, I think, I think that's an excellent point, and I, I think part of the trouble – Two is going to back to what we were talking about before. If I think that the Chiefs were hoping to get some cap relief mm. by signing Orlando Brown to a long-term deal, and I think one of the possibilities with that additional cap space would have been trying to work out a deal to trade for Robert Quinn. Mm. Uh, and I, I think Chiefs fans would have been ecstatic yeah. if we found a way to uh, get Orlando Brown signed to a long-term deal and then bring in a guy like Robert Quinn. Now, I don't think Robert Quinn's going to have the season he had in Chicago last year. Right. He's a guy that I think would be a dependable edge rusher, and I, I think it might have been in the Chiefs' plans to take a serious look at that if they were able to get Brown signed up. But now that, now that they haven't, they really don't have that option, unfortunately. I think what, what has been interesting about the Chiefs this year coming out of the draft and with all the, the acquisitions and, and the new-look team, if you, you look on draft weekend, they took two defensive players with their top two picks, but I feel like we talk more about George Karloftis than we do Trent McDuffie, and Karloftis was the later pick, and they traded up in the first round yeah. <laughs> to get Trent McDuffie. And I, I wonder why we're talking about him. And maybe it's because we know Karloff, this is a day one starter. We've penciled him in. We almost know that in his first year, he has to get, I mean, what's our baseline? I mean, he has to get at least five sacks to feel really good about the Chiefs front, right? I mean, I, even in a rookie, I, I think we can say that. Uh, but McDuffie, to me, it's going to be important. And I, and I think my question here is, can McDuffie bounce back to what is going to be getting eaten up by Chiefs receivers early because this is a 5'11", 193-pound guy. He's a little bit mm. undersized, and I think he's going to struggle early because this is just premier NFL receivers and a tight end in in Juju and Marquez, who I'm, I'm high on, uh, I think to an extent, McColl, but you're talking about Jody Fortson, who we mentioned, and then the best tight end in the league in, in Travis Kelsey. I think he's going to get burned a little bit. He's going to get hurt uh, and gashed a little bit those first few days. But is, does he have the wherewithal 
to bounce back and then to sort of make make a name for himself and make his own and, and gain confidence as training camp goes on into the preseason. Uh, an undersized cornerback, uh, you know, is one thing. I don't think the Chiefs draft him if they don't feel like he can rebound. But I, you know, I fully expect him to struggle early on with these world class receivers. And then to me, it's going to be okay in the day 11 and day 12s, how is he going to respond to some of that adversity? Hmm. That's a good point too, I think, Pete. But here's here's what I would add to that. What if he does? What if he has that, adverse, that adversity and comes back from it? Yeah. We're talking about an all-pro cornerback yeah. if in that case. So well, I, think I mean, even, it'll be even very with, interesting to watch. Yeah. Even without Tyreek Hill, uh, I still think these this receiving core is really strong, and so yeah. the the good thing that you get is is he'll be going up against good receivers. Now I don't know if we're talking yeah. about elite receivers anymore, but you'll definitely be going up against an elite tight end and really good receivers. And so you get out of training camp and you have that backbone. Well, uh, I, I'm sorry, go ahead, Steve. I was just gonna say, and I chatted with McDuffie's college coach, position coach, a couple of weeks ago, Will Harris. You can check that out on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, but. He called him, a, in his opinion, a pro-ready player because of the way he presses wide receivers mm-hmm. and how aggressive he can be with the hand fighting and, and staying up on those guys off the line of scrimmage. I do think that we need to temper expectations on him a little bit as opposed to like a Joshua Williams, who you mentioned earlier has been kind of a standout player so far, and I've got high hopes for him too. I think McDuffie's going to be put in a much tougher situation early on in the season than a Joshua Williams is. So... I think as long as you see him growing as the season's going on, you should still hope that he's going to be a good player. He's just going to be well, that Spags outside corner who might be on an island early on and get picked on by these NFL quarterbacks. When you're five foot eleven, and and you know you are that size, the the first five yards is huge for you, right? And so right. Mm-hmm. we we'll, we won't see a lot of the contact until Monday, not Friday, John, August one, when they put the pads on and they could really. <laughs> fight a bit and and he had he can get that advantage back of, of like you know a lot of times in these shorts practices you don't really touch each other so just running with each other there's not a lot of contact so beating each other up at the line will certainly help uh in what he does all right john let's go back to you for another question oh i get another one wow okay cool um well i'm curious about uh whether or not ronald jones is Rojo. still on the roster when we get to week one i know that Ooh. i know yeah, yeah, because he's going to make it. Well, I, you know, we had this situation once before with Carlos Hyde, as mm-hmm. you'll recall, where they bring in this free agent player who had been pretty productive at different points in his career, and they traded him away. Yeah, before they got to the to the regular season because they had guys behind him to start training camp who turned out to be productive. I think it's fair to wonder if Pacheco can be that guy. Yeah, I, I I wrote this in my 1.0 projections that I think the locks for the running back room are Clyde Edwards-Elair and Isaiah Pacheco. I don't think they're drafting Pacheco in the seventh round after Brett Veach said there's a thousand yard rusher on day right. three. Right. And Pacheco's not on the roster. So as you're trying to cut one of these offensive players, remember, it's been tough. I mean, if you really pull the roster up that I tried to make, I, I ended up keeping nine offensive linemen. The pass catchers are too good and the running backs are too good to really figure out. And I, I think that there's going to be a team out there that wants a Ronald Jones or Jarek McKinnon. I thought once they signed Ronald Jones, I meant the end of Jarek McKinnon. And then all of a sudden McKinnon was back here. And it's like, how do you make these numbers work? Right. I also think, so say, okay, so say you get rid of Jones or McKinnon, maybe in, in the form of a trade and Pacheco's the, the other back. Now, 
does that necessarily mean you're now just going to keep three running backs and Burton who we can write into the roster? Or are you thinking, well, let's move Ronald Jones for a day three conditional sixth round pick, depending on the rush attempts. And let's keep Derek Gore because Derek Gore might've shown enough tape for you where if you wave him, he might be on another roster. So maybe you're keeping Edwards, Elaire, McKinnon, Pacheco, um, and what would be Gore. So it's a very complex room. And you asked a good question, John, but I think there's a lot of questions that we could ask about the the running back room. So, yeah, well, I was just throwing that out there because I think that's the one that would surprise people, but it's, as I pointed out, it's not like there's no precedent for this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, at the time that Carlos Hyde was signed in the offseason, which if I remember correctly, was before free agency started. He was, you know, he was rolling around before free agency started and they took him on. If you'd asked people at that point, is he going to make the, the roster? They would have said, well, yeah, of course he yeah. is going to be on the roster. And then he wasn't there. So I think it's fair for us to to throw out that kind of a possibility that maybe this isn't going to play out quite like we think. I, I do think there's a possibility of that. I, I think that where we could see Isaiah Pacheco have a uh, big impact early season, and this is something to really pay attention to in training camp is whether or not they utilize him as a return guy. Um, yeah. he, he's got the explosiveness for it. He did it as a freshman in college, but really didn't do it uh, the following years. So he he's got experience doing it, but it's been a couple of years since he's done that. But He's the type of player that's got the athleticism to do it and the explosive playmaking ability to do it. So if they ask him to return kicks, then and he is good at it, especially in the preseason, then I I think he was already a lock for the roster. But we could see him kind of work his way into the offense a little bit more if he shows some explosiveness in the return game. So Tyreek was the emergency punt returner, and then the Chiefs ended up losing Byron Pringle to the Bears, who was the kick returner. And I, I think if Hardman is more involved in the offense, which if there was ever a year would be this year does he lose some of the returning duties and then you have two vacant return positions that could go to some guy like a pacheco like a sky Moore, if maybe he isn't going to be in the regular offensive roots rotation right away maybe that's where he he does his damage in his initial year uh steve i'll go to you for one more question and then i have one more so mine has to do with the wide receivers and really i guess I just want to see which one of these guys is going to separate themselves a little bit during training camp. Like I know Pete has been really high on MVS. I'm not there. Uh, I, I don't believe that he's going to turn into this all around wide very, receiver. You're very, dis- you're a very disrespectful <laughs> audience producer. <laughs> I, I mean, when when we just haven't seen it through his NFL career, I, I, I don't have high hopes that he's going to be able to do it this season. But maybe I'm totally wrong on him. Maybe it is McColl stepping into that Tyreek Hill role and that 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 role that he's kind of always been more suited for but wasn't really able to do because of Tyreek Hill. Or maybe it is Juju bouncing back or maybe it is Sky Moore. Like, I, I just want to know for fantasy football and for myself in general for this offense, like headed into the season, like which one of these wide receivers is actually going to be the guy that they can lean on when they need a play? I have a question about receivers uh, and you kind of stole my thunder. So I'm going to do this one question about receivers. Then I have two quick defensive questions and you guys can comment and then we'll close this thing down. Cause we're already over time. Of course, uh, in our return, we had a lot to say uh, since we've been off for, for one month, but look, uh, y- y- you look at Travis Kelsey, right? Who's going to be on the field most of the time. The chiefs also have sky Moore and Juju Smith Schuster, right? What's the commonality among these guys? They all like live in the slot. How many guys you gotta have in the slot? A million, like you can't have a million guys in the slot. Yeah. So if Marquez is your Tyreek role in, in that Z position, 
who's the other outside receiver? Because Juju and Sky McColl, you can make a case, is best in the backfield on these orchestrated plays. You have Juju. Is the other outside receiver Josh Gordon? Are we just overlooking the idea that this is this big body is the other outside mm. receiver? Because these other guys live and eat in the slot. Is it is it MVS and Gordon? And you're going to see a rotation, which is more like inside between with Kelsey and Juju and Sky and McColl. And, and I I wonder about that because to me, he projects size wise as that other guy. I, I don't I mean, I I'm I think it's kind of insane to say after he was so quiet last year. But I just when you're wrapping your head around the roster, it's just who's the other outside receiver opposite MVS. I don't know who that is. So. I'd 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 be willing to bet money that Juju is going to play a little bit more outside this year. He was playing a mix in Pittsburgh, but you can make a case that he was you know he's done his best work in the slot. Uh, I'm sure they're going to give him an opportunity. I know for a fact that he wants to play more outside, but I I just Josh Gordon is lingering around, right? He's right around the <laughs> corner. year in the offense. It's finally the year. Could be. Could be. Uh, oh, I think I think it's fair to question whether uh, Marquez Scantling, Valdez Scantling, is going to be the guy. I think John, it's Marquez, and, and he'll tell you twice. Yeah. You don't get it right. Man. All right, Marquez. There you go. I know Marquez he listens to the podcast. They haven't practiced these words for a while. So yeah, I know. Um, I know. After training camp practice, he he listens to the Airhead Pride Editor show. So yeah, I want to make well, sure we get okay. that right. Sorry, Marquez. I'm there you go. very sorry. There so, you go. Uh, but I think it's fair to question that. But I think that with him he's in exactly the same situation that a player like McColl Hardman is in Yeah, in green Bay. He had this incredible receiver in front of him and all he had left was table scraps. Right. And uh, now I agree though, that uh, there's only so many targets to go around and maybe he isn't the guy that gets most of them. I think Pete's making a really fascinating point about Josh Gordon though. Uh, Cause you're right, Pete, that these, these, these guys are all guys that have been most effective in the slot. And maybe that is what finally gets Josh Gordon on the roster. That's a very interesting idea. I like that. So I thank want, you both for the, for the questions. <laughs> I want to re up uh, a question that we said before, and this is just something that's going to be in my mind every day. Cause I, I just think the chiefs are a lot weaker until this is answered. When is Fenton coming off the PUP? I said it before, but I just wanted to re up that one. And then finally, Leo Chanel, I, I know a lot of fans are hoping that he's is the day one strong side linebacker and what would be the base. But I, I think the Chiefs are going to lean on to the veterans there and Elijah Lee and maybe a Jermaine Carter to start. Uh, so it's can Leo Chanel show enough in training camp um, that he gets Steve Spagnuolo to make an uncharacteristic decision and a mid round player with little experience play him right away. I, I don't know if Chanel is going to be someone that we see a lot of toward the beginning of the year, but this is training camp. You can prove your, yourself. So I, I'm wondering that out loud. Is there any other burning questions that you guys have before we shut this thing down? Any, anything else? No, I, I just wanted to touch on what you were saying about Chanel and just in general, like, I'm really curious about this group of linebackers, specifically Chanel, Willie Gay, and Nick Bolton, because they seem mm -hmm. like they could be the three young core members of this linebacking core for for the future here in Kansas City. And so I want to see how they utilize those guys. And I mm -hmm. agree with you, Chanel is probably not going to have a role early on in the season because that's the way Spags usually rolls. Um, so it may be mid to late season before he gets like a starter's caliber amount of snaps or something like that. But I'm really excited to, to just see how they deploy these guys and how they're going to try to utilize them because 
for the first time in a long time here in Kansas City, it seems like they actually have some explosive linebackers. So I'm just excited to see them play football, I guess. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I it's a it's gonna be an exciting camp. I just think this is a very different team than we've seen in a lot of years. I mean, most years you, you go into a season and, and there's a lot of familiar faces from the the previous year, whereas this year it, it really feels to me like this is almost a, a brand new team, especially offensively when you're talking about Andy Reid with new toys. I'm just excited to see what this offense looks like against very young defense and and how Steve Spagnuolo utilizes his new guys as well. You know, listening to Steve talk just there, it occurred to me, one of the things that's going to be interesting to see this thing uh, this year is Leo Chanel on special teams. Mm. That guy is going to make some big, hard-hitting plays on special teams. And you know he's going to be used there. Mm-hmm. Because they, they, they don't, uh, they, going to have, they, they've got a lot of guys who are gone that they depended on a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think that Leo Chanel is going to be one of the guys that has key roles in special teams and he's going to kill people and people are going to love it. Yeah. I mean, he already had the, the fans very happy to hear that he loves violence and physicality on, on draft weekend. So can't yeah, wait totally to love that. <laughs> can't wait to, to see him on the field. This is the new day for the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. We'll be doing it every Monday this season. We'll continue with other shows on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. We're really excited about that. I'm going to ask you again. Again, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Let's get those ratings and reviews in to Apple iTunes so we can read them on the next show. If you see any of us at training camp, make sure you stop by and say hello. This is one of the most wonderful times of the year where we can really talk to readers and listeners and just discuss the Chiefs and everything that goes into Chiefs football. So, again, we appreciate you listening. For Steve Serta, for John Dixon, my name is Pete Sweeney. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. 